I'm Audrey Cooper, the editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and today I'm with writer Ryan Cost. As loyal readers of sfchronicle.com know, we've devoted considerable resources in the last few weeks covering the issue of climate change in the Bay Area. This week, Ryan has taken a different approach. He spent the last few weeks exploring the areas of the Bay that will be underwater in a generation due to rising sea levels. Ryan's story appears in our new printed and online section, The Culture Desk. Yesterday, I discussed this new coverage effort with editor Sarah Feldberg. Today, we discuss Ryan's beautifully told story and what it means for life in the Bay. I'll be back with Ryan Cost after this. Ryan Cost, welcome to Fifth Emission. Thank you. Uh, so you are a member of our brand new Culture Desk, which we are releasing in print on Sunday, and we released this week on sfchronicle.com. So can you talk a little bit about what culture means to you in this context? Like what kind of stories are you looking to do? Yeah, well, I think a lot of them are probably the stories that I've always sort of been interested in. Um I've covered a lot of things as a journalist, but my favorite has always been sort of the personal stories, the things that make um, sort of abstract ideas um, something concrete and personal. Um, and so I think, you know, whether we're talking about technology or this issues on climate change or just um, the communities in the Bay Area and the changing Bay Area, it's about finding specific places and people who can tell us um, big stories at kind of a smaller level. So how long have you worked here at the Chronicle? It's almost five years of the Chronicle. And we didn't we hire you from like the Oregon Department of Transportation or something <laughs> random like that? I, I can't remember that far back. But Yeah, no, I was doing, um, I guess, social media for them. But yeah, that makes it sound like I was a lot better at it than I actually was. <laughs> I was kind of like a help desk person on Twitter so people could like yell at me when there were leaves oh, in the you're road. You're the guy. Yes. <laughs> when you had a pothole, you'd tweet yeah, at you. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so then you've come here and you've been an arts writer for us for a while. Right. How is this a different job? Are you looking at it differently than you wrote about arts? Honestly, I don't think so. When I was brought on, um, I was really lucky in that I received sort of a lot of latitude as far as um, the stories, when I pitched them, they were usually pretty well received. Um, I think it'll change a little bit. I won't be writing about music like I used to. Probably I'll be writing about fewer, you know, specific art shows or art spaces. But um, a lot of what I've been writing about, I think, since I started here, um, is just pretty culture-based. I mean, um, you know, I've had I've, there were opportunities for me to write about... Um, Divas, the transgender bar that closed. Um, I wrote a long story about a eight-year-old trans boy and kind of his social transition. So yeah, I think in some ways my job hasn't really changed so much, except for that maybe it's gotten a little bit broader and probably I'll be focusing too on sort of trends and what we see as things happening in the Bay Area that don't really fall under a certain beat or under kind of a certain section that we have, but maybe we want to talk about. Um, and those are things that I think people will probably recognize from, you know, Twitter or Facebook, the things that get shared pretty frequently. Right. So the story that is in the inaugural printed issue and online right now, the whole theme of the sec section is apocalypse soon instead of apocalypse now. Um, and it's I, I, maybe it, would it be fair to say a little tongue in cheek look at what we know is impending disaster? Yeah, I think. I think that it's a sincere look 
we look at a bunch of things from, you know, what people are doing for family planning. I talk to psychologists about, you know, mental health and how climate change is affecting that. And I also wrote another piece about kind of how finances might be impacted by climate change and sort of our aptitude for saving for the future. Um, Greg Thomas wrote a story for this about the people who are literally preparing for water world. Right. Like the Kevin Costner yeah. movie where we all are living on the ocean. It's a there's a lot in this um in this issue around climate change, but you specifically spent a number of days driving around the Bay Area and going to the quote unquote blue areas. What are the blue areas? Yeah. Well I think probably you've seen a thousand maps like this um that accompany, you know, whatever article you're reading about climate change and what it is, is it's a map with a layer of blue on it that show you exactly where sea level rise is going to come. And it's supposed to give you an idea of, you know, sort of how a region will be impacted by rising seas. Um, but it kind of occurred to me that you, that doesn't really make much of an impression unless you know what is there now. Um, and so, yeah, I guess initially I thought, oh, well, it'll be fun if I just, you know, maybe take a one stretch road or something like that and go along and see, you know, what shops are here and what will be impacted and talk to the people. But one road didn't seem like enough exactly. Like, how would you pick that road? How would you pick that community when, you know, the Bay Area is so diverse? I saw you. on. I was watching your Twitter feed over the last several weeks and it's like, hi, I'm here in Foster City. Now I'm in the North Bay and this place is going to be underwater. And I thought, what in the world is Ryan doing? He's going to all these places. And um, it, they are kind of random places that you ended up visiting. How did you choose them? Yeah, no, I actually kind of chose them at random, honestly. Oh, they actually were Yeah, random. they were. I mean, I wanted it to be a little bit representative and that I didn't want to like leave a huge chunk of the Bay out, right? Um, I didn't think it would be fair just to focus on, you know, the Western side. And I think, you know, each section has its own challenges that it's dealing with. Um, But I also, I didn't have like any pre-planned route. I would just kind of look at the map of the blue and then I would look at my phone and then I would kind of find a place that seemed to be under the blue based on, you know, that prediction. And I just like set the address and went out there. (laughs) And what were you hoping or thinking that you would find when you went to all these places? I actually didn't really have a whole lot of expectation. I guess I just wanted to stand in them and walk around them and sort of take them in in some sort of visceral way. And I hope that maybe I could communicate that to readers to kind of share that experience with them. Well, you have, I think a very singular writing style and that it's very conversational and you notice things I think in this story that I would not have noticed or written down in my notebook and it I, I think um, you know when we spent the last couple of weeks pretty intensively covering climate change from a news point of view what do you think the benefit is of bringing your sort of narrative touch to these places that we we see all the time? Like, what were you hope? What do you hope readers take away from that? Well, so first, I want to say, like, our coverage about climate change and sea level rise is always exceptional. John King has done you know so many beautiful and beautifully written pieces about it that just really kind of explain the issue in a relatable, understandable way. Curtis Alexander too has written a lot of great things about uh, rising seas. I guess um, it's not that you don't get the personal in those stories, but I thought, you know, a story that was dedicated to just the very small things that kind of said, 
you know, here's a place where kids play, where they're wading into the water. And, you know, potentially, if this prediction is right, in 25 years, that place will be chronically inundated, which means it'll flood at least 26 times a year. You know, how does that change life for a person in that kid's position 25 years down the road? Or I would pass by a yard sale or, you know, like people who are having fun at a party in a bouncing castle and that sort of stuff. And I think, you know, you have to kind of think about what life really is. And you can't just necessarily kind of approach it as, you know, just that street will be underwater. Well, what happens on that street? Like, what is it like to live there? Like, what what does that street support and offer? Is there anything while you were driving into all of these blue areas that you didn't include in the story? Yeah, there were a few things. Um, the yard sale <laughs> was one of them um, that just was, I don't know, for some reason really affecting when I saw it because it's like such a simple sort of practice to do to like lay clothes out on your lawn and then to imagine that that lawn won't be there one day was kind of, you know, and that that just couldn't happen there anymore. Um, Why didn't you include it? I don't know. I, Some I, editor took it yeah, out, no, right? No, no. <laughs> I think it just, I think, uh, you know, the story is already uh, pretty long, long as it is, and I couldn't fit everything in there. And I think I had some details like that that sort of kind of already got to that point. Um, but there were other things like I didn't include really anything about SFO or the Oakland airport. And I did, I scrambled up this like weird um, mound. It's called... I think I have it here, Oyster Bay Regional Shoreline Staging Area. It's kind of like a combination of a preserve and a construction site. It's a really weird place. But it gives you a great view of Oakland International and, or I guess Oakland Airport. And it was really striking to see how like the runway just went straight into the sea and how it didn't seem to be that much taller than the sea itself. And in fact, you know, they do have a lot of um, potential problems coming their way. And I know they have mitigation strategies. But yeah. Is that what is what was the, your favorite detail of all the places that you visited? Oh man, my favorite detail. I guess um, the thing that affected me the most, and it might be very different for other people who aren't so familiar with it, but there's this small kind of um, unofficial park right where the ramp is. Um, the restaurant, and yeah, bar. yeah, yeah, and. Um, it's like kind of passed from hand to hands over the year, but um, Telford Delaney, who's a local um, landscape architect and artist, uh, she's the one who's been, you know, really kind of building it. And I wrote a story about it a couple of years ago and haven't really been back to visit it much. And it was just so green and so lush. And like you walk into it and the temperature immediately goes down a few degrees. And she has like art all around it. And she happened to be there and she introduced me to her new gardening partner. Um she was so excited. She just found like this metal um, like canteen that had been crushed. And she thought that that was very funny because it had like a recycling sign on it. And obviously it's not like, very good. And she's going to hang it up in one of the trees. And I don't know. I, I They gave me a couple heirloom tomatoes as I left. Not from that garden, but they just happened to have them. And <laughs> yeah. so I thought as I was leaving that, I was like, oh, well, you know, no one's ever going to, you know, at some point, no one will be able to have that interaction in that space. And um. Yeah, it just it, it it was kind of surreal to think about that. What was your biggest takeaway? Did it change your opinions of climate change in the Bay? No, I mean I think it did for me what I was hoping it would do, which is to sort of humanize or personalize it a little bit more. Um, but I think probably my biggest takeaway was the fact that you know as I drove, things became really repetitive. Um, you know. 
how many times have we filled in wetlands with like landfill and thought that that would be a great idea? Like how many times have we, you know, filled up the bay with, you know, salt, not salt, but like with uh, rocks and whatnot. There's just, it seems like we have this history of trying to get the bay to fit us to like shape it how we want it to be shaped. And I think, you know, that maybe that sort of impulse is changing a little bit, especially as we talk about restoring wetlands and marshes and whatnot. Like maybe we're kind of coming to a place where we understand now that we have to also change ourselves in order to accommodate the bay um, and maybe the environment kind of more broadly. Well, Ryan, um, congratulations on this new uh, inaugural issue of the Culture Desk and your story. And everybody can look for it right now on sfchronicle.com or in print on Sunday. Yeah, the print section looks beautiful. It does. It does. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you very much to writer Ryan Cost for being with us today. You can find his stories and all of our new culture coverage at sfchronicle.com slash culture. You can listen to my interview with Culture Desk editor Sarah Feldberg on yesterday's Fifth Emission episode. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing today's episode, and thanks to you for listening. Fifth Emission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.